This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. I'm your host, Dean. Again, not joined by Jane or Dane. I'm starting to think they just don't like me. Um, but I've got probably the best assistant for a podcast you could ask for. Um, co-host of the hit new podcast, Their Pitch. Uh, it's Mia Erickson. Mia, welcome back to our little show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. To just sit back, relax, and talk some Chelsea. Yeah, well, if only the, the game was uh, a bit better for us. Um, for the listeners that haven't been aware, maybe your podcast, Their Pitch, launched last week with Avilda Boarisa, uh, the Manchester United midfielder. Um, it was very good. Where can people find it and listen to it? Because by the time they hear this, uh, Hannah Glass from Bayern Munich will also be published. Where can they find all these great podcasts? Yeah, like we say in Sweden, you can find this on, on every platform where, where you can find podcasts. So it's just search for their pitch and it will it will show. And please review it. Yeah, we like we say, that. We say all good podcast distributors and the bad ones. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to get a teaser in here as well because... The podcast with Hannah Glass will have a glimpse of a Chelsea player. Interesting. Yeah. That's, is that all we're getting? Yeah. Okay. I, I can I can tell you now also that we'll be recording with Sechira during February. So soon. And we have more Chelsea players lined up for you. So I think you'll be happy. Yeah, but sure. but I mean, your listeners can just listen to the Chelsea players episode. You have to listen to everyone if you want to learn about the women's game. Yeah, it's not a Manchester United podcast with Vildo. It's about her and her career and herself. Um, Very much worth your time. And I'm sure the Chelsea ones will be equally as excellent as well. So looking forward to them. That's their pitch on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Acast wherever it's, it's it's out there so make sure you listen and subscribe and as Mia said review um I suppose we've held it off long enough should we look at yesterday's game which was Sunday the 23rd of January away to Brighton and Hove Albion uh Chelsea started with a 4-4-2 question mark maybe let's see uh, formation with Anne Katchenberger in goal Jess Carter Millie Bright and Nick Nguyen and Yona Anderson in defence Erin uh, Cuthbert, Drew Spence, Jesse Fleming and Guru Wrighton in midfield and Frank Kirby and Penilla Harder in attack. Emma Hayes used two substitutions, bringing on Neve Charles for Guru Wrighton in the 70th minute and then 
Bethany England replaced Drew Spence in the 82nd minute. This left Sakira Musovic, Carly Telford, Alsu Abdelina and Sophie Ingle as unused subs. In terms of the stats, if I can get them quickly now, Chelsea had 68% possession, 26 shots, 5 on target, 13 corners and 7 fouls. That was compared to Brighton's 32% possession, 4 shots, 3 on target, 3 corners and 4 fouls. Um, I I suppose overall just wasn't Chelsea's day is the easiest way to sum up yesterday's game. Yeah, I think if you're a fan of the Chelsea women's team, uh, you would probably say that, yes, that that's correct. I think, I mean, I, I read that Emma Hayes was pretty satisfied with the, the football that was played. Uh, so I guess just in terms of the result, it was pretty disappointing. Well, that makes one of us that was pleased. Um... How can we pinpoint what was wrong for Chelsea? Was it just the, the game plan where they set up with, you know, they had plenty of the ball, they had plenty of shots. I know the goalkeeper made some very good saves, they hit the crossbar. But it didn't feel to me as if it was all joined up thinking and they were playing into Brighton's hands a little bit. Yeah, I think I was kind of reflecting on this yesterday uh, because I think, I think, I feel like it's sort of, you know, the gap between every team in this league now is closing a little bit. You know, teams are getting, yeah, they know each other better and better and better now. They know what uh, the coach of the opponents is going to bring to the pitch. Uh, and I think, I mean, it kind of summed it up really well as well today when Emma uh had said that Brighton is really good at, you know, how do you say that in English? I, I, can't, I can't remember now, you know, they kind of stop the game with the tactical fouls and, you know, like being Trump, down a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, disrupting the game. Uh, they are staying down a little bit longer than perhaps needed and stuff like that. But I was just thinking that, you know, I mean, the players available now in Chelsea, all top players, world-class. I mean, on paper, probably better than Brighton. Uh, Not probably, they are better than Brighton. But I do feel that whenever Chelsea and Emma are doing something that they usually don't do uh, in the lineup, uh, bringing in players from the bench. And in this game, I mean... One have to remember that, I mean, Jonna and Guro has, have been competing for the same spot um, in this formation that they have been playing. Uh, and now they were on the pitch the same time. So it was like, yeah, I think everything was a little bit disrupted. Not just Brighton's game toward Chelsea. I think Chelsea kind of disrupted themselves a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense. Obviously, they went with a back four and a midfield four, which I don't think I've seen them do uh, for a long time. Uh, I suppose when the three best players on the pitch are probably Maya Letizia, Victoria Williams and Megan Walsh in the Brighton goal, I suppose you can see what Emma's coming from, that she's happy. I mean, I spoke to Maya Letizia's dad and he said that if Fran's one-on-one went in, that changes the game, but... Do you feel that that would have been the case, that the goal would have settled Chelsea and maybe opened Brighton up? Or the way Chelsea were playing was like directly to the Tizier and Williams in the heart of their defence, that they were happy to head the balls and get the blocks in and do everything that they were doing? No, I think that looking at Chelsea's lineup, I mean, as a Chelsea fan, I kind of felt that from the game before, the West Ham game, with, where they played a, a 3 4 3 again. Uh, this lineup kind of like just told us that, okay, we're not going to concede a goal today. And they didn't. I mean, Brighton was never really close, but it didn't feel like that formation gave Chelsea any flow and pace uh, up front uh, and going forward. So I think when Frank Kirby had that chance one-on-one with the keeper, uh, I mean, I think all of us that witness that 
sort of like, oh yeah, fine, it's gonna solve every problem now that when she when she gets this. And then when it didn't happen, it's sort of then you felt that okay, it's one of these games again. Having said that, then was you surprised that it took till the eighty second minute for Emma to introduce Beth to England? And obviously she had a fantastic chance with the header where uh, Penilla was free on the left and putting a great ball in between the two defenders. Uh, that was one of Megan Walter's best saves. But giving her just eight minutes to try and make an impact on this game really wasn't enough. And it, it confusing a lot of people, myself included. Yeah, I think this is one thing that I think many of us has have been... Uh, trying to figure out during this season because I mean when Frank Kirby missed that one-on-one chance she had to score I mean me I felt that oh it's one of these games again and then then you start to wonder if the coach and and the management feel the same or if they don't because they really believe or they have to stick with the plan I don't know but I do think that, I mean, it would have been nice to see Bethany England coming on sooner to get maybe one more chance like that. Because now it feels like she comes on and then when she misses one opportunity where the other players have had like several good chances to score before she comes on, she gets the blame for for not scoring when she finally comes on and I don't think that's right either because no I, I don't like that no because her chance is obviously one of the last in the match so yeah. if she hasn't taken that chance then she's not going to play the next game which has been probably the story of her season so far even when she scored though she's not really had the chance either I suppose before the game, Brighton had lost their last six. Manchester City put six past them in 45 minutes. But Hope Powell always seems to conjure something up against Chelsea. Do you think she just knows Emma Hayes too well and she knows what Chelsea are going to do and Chelsea didn't seem to change anything in the game? I think I think it's a mix with what you just said. And then I think it's a mix with the fact that Chelsea didn't score on the chances they had. I think it's a mix between what I said earlier, that you you bring in players uh, in a lineup uh, versus a mid-table team like Brighton. Uh, and for some reason, Emma Hayes can't seem to um, make a starting 11 that isn't a starting 11 all the time work a hundred percent something is up there but we don't know we, we can only guess I mean the chances were there but they didn't convert on them so yeah what do Chelsea do in your opinion to turn around this it's been a dodgy spell but it's lasted since December because obviously they haven't played the back-to-back WSL games they haven't scored now, but they obviously lost to Reading um, and then the nil-nil draw yesterday. What do you think Emma needs to do? Because that are they creating enough chances to say, just carry on? Yeah, I mean, I also would like to, to, to you know, just talk about the fact that like Emma has said also today that, not today, but <laughs> I mean, when she... <laughs> she was interviewed uh, that you can't really tell if this was a point gained or a point lost uh, so it's it's kind of hard but but I mean if we had been sitting here I, I, I when we talked in the beginning of the season I mean none of us could have imagined that Chelsea would be having problems to score with the attacking lineup and the attacking players in the team. Uh, what we talked about was the defense. And the defense, I mean, it's shaky with the back three. You could see it versus West Ham as well. But in that game, they scored. So I think it's a fine balance now between the, 
the back three and and if you choose to have a stable like lineup like yesterday with not conceding but i felt to me it was more about not conceding yesterday than to to actually get the play going because yesterday it was like okay just put Panilla Harder and Frank Kirby up front. It's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Brighton had, obviously, I think it was two good chances. One in the first half where uh, Andrew Berger makes a, a decent save. And then the second half, it was from long range, uh, both by uh, Daniel Carter, who almost caught AKB out, um, almost gave me a heart attack at the same time. But like I said, that was all Brighton really had. And although Chelsea had, I think it was 26 shots, was it we said, only five on target, that conversion rate's really low. Also, at times, to me, it seemed as if it was putting the harder needs to get the ball and do it all herself. Was that a feeling you shared at all? I felt in the second half, if she wasn't getting the ball and running the whole length of the pitch, we wasn't really doing much at all. I mean, it's it's just, I think, if you have watched her play for many years, that that's what, I mean, what she did yesterday was nothing new. <laughs> like, But it's sort of like, you know, shows that, okay, we, we got to fight for it. We, we need to get things going. So I, I feel like a player like that does these sort of things when when the emotion runs like, okay, now we really have to do something about this. Uh, and I think that, I mean, again, none of the front players were clinical <laughs> or, or good in the final third, but I mean, yeah, we can talk about hitting crossbars and having almost an open road into the back of the net. Uh, but I mean, if the play from the back to the front doesn't work out, I, I do think that in a team sport like football, this is what happens. Yeah, obviously you can't rely on individual brilliance all the time. What did you make of the decision not to play Sophie Ingle uh, and have Drew Spence and, and Jesse Fleming in the middle because of the way that, that Chelsea played not really through the midfield at all I think Jesse's a bit wasted there I think Penilla probably could have used her a bit higher up the pitch to, someone to play off and I don't think Spence had the best game either so is, is that another one we're just looking back because we haven't won and saying this is wrong or at the time was it, did you have any questions about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious by now that a midfield can can balance a game. Uh, I mean, it, it can balance it to be stable at the back, uh, not conceding any goals. It can stable a game like stopping counters from the opponents. Uh, but it can also like balance a game with distributing balls up front. Uh, and I think yesterday, I agree with what Emma said that they hold, held on to the ball very good, uh, didn't stress and stuff like that. But then you have, have that fine balance and line between it being too slow. And I think that that what, what it looks like yesterday was too slow. Um, so, and then we have been talking about the fact that yeah if it's not too slow then it's too fast because they just um, play long balls over the top and go for counters but I mean if, if I have to choose between what I saw yesterday and what I saw versus West Ham even if Chelsea conceded two goals I would rather take the West Ham style of play <laughs> that Chelsea yeah. played than that yesterday because was a very boring game, even though Chelsea had chances. Yeah, it wasn't um, the prettiest of fixtures on the eye. Um, and I suppose it maybe has been a problem for a little while. Chelsea played very well against big teams that like to have the football because they can 
sort of tap tap boom is what we always say. That's what they do. That's what they did to us on the FA Cup final. And since then, they have struggled, even with just general build up play against um, Reading. They was dreadful. Uh, uh, the West Ham game, I didn't think it was very good either, even though they did score four goals. Um, it, it wasn't particularly pretty either. So I think there's work to do, and it's uh, a big run of fixtures as well. Mia, yeah, they've got West Ham, obviously their game in hand on Wednesday, which we'll look forward to after we go to a break. Uh, they then play in the FA Cup. Then they play Man City. They play Arsenal back-to-back. Uh, -back. They've got the Conti Cup semi-final in between that as well. The squad is short at the minute, 15 players. How much is that affecting what's going on? Because if you look at the options she had on the bench yesterday, what more really could she do than bring on you know, Neve Charles for, for Guru and, and Beth? for Drew Spence, there's not really another option there, is there, to really change things? No, I think it's going to be a choice of playing to not concede. Uh, because these teams, you just were rambling up, I think. I mean, yeah. The, the way Manchester United is playing right now, I just kind of thought about it yesterday when watching them play. They play like Chelsea did last season. Uh, fluid in attack and and they are I mean their front three behind uh, Alessia Russo they are playing very free roles I mean it's not wingers and and that what we uh, was what we watched Chelsea do last season and I think it something has has stuck uh, in Chelsea's uh, I mean and and it's not just about players being away because we saw this even before Chris, the Christmas break. So it's not about just about players being away, but I'm sure it's affecting them and it's gonna affect them because they will be having played a lot of minutes when this month is over. And, and I mean, as a Chelsea fan, I'm, I'm kind of worried about this now, especially when I see what other teams is doing on the pitch. Yeah, obviously we've got G and, and Sam Kerr away at the Asia Cup. I don't think neither would be back until after the international break, which is after the Arsenal match. Um, so it is a big run of fixtures with a, a very limited squad. Magda is still out injured. We don't know the full extent of that. Uh, Manny Lopez is out with long COVID. Again, don't know how long that's going to affect her for. So I think we are short. Do you think we could see some new players in January just because we need to? Yeah, I mean, how many days of the transfer window is it left? Like five? It would be a week, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, a week. Yeah, I think if I were uh, Emma Hayes, I would do everything in my power now to, to get players in. Um, Defensive midfielders and centre backs, perhaps even full backs. I don't know, but knowing Chelsea the right way, I think we were, we are gonna have um, flexible players that can play all over the pitch if, if needed. Yeah, well, we've been asking for defensive midfielders and full backs and etc. Since the Champions League final, uh, way back in May uh, last year, it's now January, so six months has passed. Uh, still none to be seen. Um, so let's see what we can conjure up in the last week. What impact do you think this has on the title race, if any, given that Manchester City obviously drew with Arsenal late last night? Yeah, I think that this season will be nothing of what we have seen in the WSL before. I don't think... I mean, we probably thought this before Christmas as well, when you know, losing to Reading and then like, okay, now the title race is over. And then Arsenal lost versus Birmingham. And now they're sort of giving each other chances to win the title uh, every other game now. I think what's the most uh, exciting is that it's very even uh, at the top. And I think that from what we're seeing now, I think even Tottenham could win the WSL if the top teams doesn't don't just level up. Um, and I think it's, I mean, it's it's a strange world 
we're all living in now at the moment with the pandemic and everything that is going on around us. So, of course, it's going to be a might be one of these seasons that top clubs might not take into account. But I do feel that if a club like Chelsea will find themselves to even struggle to get into the top three, near the end of the season i think that that would be pretty bad covid or not it would be an absolute catastrophe if chelsea failed to make the champions league um not just because of what the rival fans would taunt us with um but just because of the squad we've got um i think yeah a total disaster um Let's look at what happened in the WSL this weekend then. Um, Manchester United continuing their impressive form with a 3-0 win over Tottenham. Uh, Aston Villa scored a last-minute winner to see off Leicester City 2-1. Reading came out 3-2 winners against Birmingham City. Uh, West Ham strolled to a 3-0 win over Everton. And in the late game, as we said, Arsenal grabbed a late equaliser against Manchester City at the Academy Stadium. That leaves the WSL table looking like this. In first place at Arsenal with 26 points. Second, Manchester United with 24 points. Third, Chelsea with 22 points. Tottenham fourth with 21 points. Man City fifth with 20 points. Reading sixth on 19 points. West Ham seventh on 17 points. Brighton eighth with 16 points. Aston Villa ninth with 13 points. Everton in 10th with 11 points. And then you've got Leicester City in 11th with six. And Burnham City in 12th with four points. Um... It's a bit confusing. Leicester City and Birmingham have both played 13 games. Uh, Brighton, Aston Villa, Man City and Tottenham and Manchester United have played 12. Arsenal, Reading, West Ham and Everton have played 11. And then Chelsea have played 10. So although Man United are second, Chelsea have two games in hand and two points to make up. They have a game in hand against Arsenal and four points to make up. So when on Wednesday they go to one point behind Arsenal, level on games and they'll also be a point ahead of Man United with another game to play if this makes sense to anyone still uh, the league is a bit all over the place because of the cancellations over Christmas and the new year so I think it's going to take another couple of weeks probably for this to level out on games but yeah it's very interesting I think do you think Man United and Man City are in the title race Mia or is it still Chelsea and Arsenal no I think uh, from what we are seeing in the level of football from Arsenal and Chelsea now, I think it's more about Manchester City and Manchester United. Uh, but we all know we all know that this this can change. I mean, football is all about finding finding momentum, and you know, then you have it for some time, and then you lose it, and then it's all about getting back back on track. Uh, and I would be I would be surprised if if Chelsea can't manage to, to to turn this around. But from what we are seeing now, I would say that I think Chelsea will struggle versus Manchester United. Yeah, well, talking about getting back on track, Chelsea have the opportunity to do just that on Wednesday night when West Ham visit Kings Meadow, and we'll be back after this short break to talk about that game. Uh, in the break, you'll hear a message from the Women's Football Fans Collective, which we are a part of, a part of our new campaign. If you could please take a listen, please share out what we talk about in that message. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated, but we'll be right back after this break. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. 
Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. No ifs, no buts. We want to make all FA Cup. On Saturday the 30th of January 2022, 32 teams will compete in the fourth round of the Vitality Women's FA Cup. The winners of the tie will receive £2,000 in prize money. The losers, just £500. For the finalists of the Vitality FA Cup, winners will receive £25,000, the losers £15,000. In the men's FA Cup competition, fourth round winners receive £90,000. The lucky winners of the men's FA Cup competition bag £1.8 million, the losers £900,000. Whichever way you look at it or try to justify it, these numbers do not add up. That's why the Women's Football Fan Collective, formed in December 2021, to protect women's football after news broke that Coventry United's LFC were being put into voluntary liquidation according for an equal FA Cup. We invite all women's football sports to voice a collective demand for equal FA Cup prize money. Equal women's football deserves an even playing field in the present and for the future. Equal to the right the FA's historic wrongs. Equal women's football will never be financially viable as long as women footballers are not paid properly and justly for their work. Equal. No ifs, no buts. Equal FA Cup. On the 51st and 71st minutes of every fourth round tie, we'd love you to join our chant. No ifs, no buts. We want an equal FA Cup. On the 51st minute to mark the 51 years since the first Women's FA Cup final. And on the 71st minute in honour of 1971, the year when the FA's ban on women's football was finally lifted. Share videos and sound clips of the chant with the tag hashtag equal FA Cup on Twitter at WFF Collective with the hashtags Equal FA Cup and Protect Women's Football. You can also email them to WFFFanCollective at gmail.com. Thank you. Welcome back to Wentimo Kings Meadow. Time now to look forward to West Ham's visit on Wednesday evening. Uh, Mia, we beat West Ham 4 2 last week in the Conti Cup. Are you expecting a similar game in the way it pans out on Wednesday? Yeah, uh, no, not in order of, I think Chelsea will play a lot better uh, from the start uh, in this game. I think what's also positive is that uh, Chelsea will have the home advantage. Uh, I do think that Chelsea will try and stay more compact uh, than they did. Uh, in the first half versus West Ham last week. Uh, but, but I do think that, yeah, I think I will agree with Emma Hayes with what she also had been saying, that Chelsea will, you know, just bounce back and she will look to see a reaction from the players from yesterday. How will she get that reaction then? Will she go back to the 3-4-3 three, three and have those wide players further up the pitch? Or- Will she stick with this four to try and keep them a bit solid? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I don't know what Emma Hayes is going to do, but if, if I could wish for something, I would probably go back to the to the back three. And I would also like to say that I think probably Jonna would, would play over Guro now, because I think... Jonas' crosses has really been helpful uh, in from the wing-back position. And there's also no Magda Eriksson behind that left wing-back, so maybe that 
we'll come to the thinking, but we'll get to that when we predict the team in a bit. As we mentioned, this is the game in hand over Arsenal, so it takes us to 11 played. We can go to 25 points, which is one point behind uh, the North London rivals. And I know this is cliche, but I think every game must win. But this really is, you would feel, to get Chelsea back on track. Yeah, I think there's nothing else but wins from now on. Uh, because you can't you can't rely on other teams to mess up in order to, you know, put yourself in the front seat. You have to do it yourself. And I think that that's probably what Chelsea, the Chelsea players, think as well. I would be surprised not if so. Obviously, it gives them the opportunity to then when Arsenal come to Kings Meadow, uh, beat them and, and go above them in the league if. They managed to beat Manchester City before the week before that, of course. Um, when I previewed the game last week on last week, showed me I talked about Chelsea scoring early and how important it seems to be to them. Do you think there's a, a weakness in their mentality? They're a bit fragile because when they don't score in the first half, they do appear to maybe become a bit tense and look a bit nervous and like they're not sure what they're doing. Yeah, I, I don't think they, they get nervous. I think they get frustrated uh, about how it not works out for them when they play like they are told, when they play like they are used to, when they play like they're supposed to. Uh, I do think that they have a couple of players uh, in the squad available right now that can you know, just solve the problem and score late as well. We have seen it before. We saw it versus Leicester uh, in the league where they won 1-0 uh, and that goal came late. So I think they had players that, that can just do it for them. But, but you know, it's kind of like, I, I really hope that we get to see Jesse Fleming further up the pitch I just saw com I, I just saw a comment the other day about Jesse Fleming that oh maybe she isn't that level yet and blah 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 and I was like what she has shown like levels above some of the other players lately but I mean you have to look at where she was situated uh, on the pitch yesterday when they play so I think she is a crucial a crucial, you know, piece of puzzle in this, in the games that will come close now. Uh, I think Jesse Fleming will, yeah, I think she's perhaps Chelsea's most important player at the moment. Yeah, if, if you subscribed to my articles on, honestly, Chelsea FCW, you would have read a piece already on Jesse Fleming that I wrote and about how Chelsea used the ball and how having her in the pivot is a waste of what she does. Uh, because Chelsea, when they have the ball, they're either playing in the back or they're playing in the final third. So getting her in positions where she can have the ball and do things with it is obviously more important than having her chase the ball, the flight of the ball as it goes backwards towards over the top of her head. Um, one of those players that you've hinted at that can change the game is Penilla Harder. She scored a hat-trick. I think the last two times she's played them, she definitely scored two hat-tricks against West Ham. Do you think she'll be going for number three? Is that part of her mindset? Or should she just be focused on winning the game first and foremost? Yeah, I think first and foremost, she, is just, she just wants to win the game. But I wouldn't be surprised if her... She also just wanted to score as many goals as possible. I think that that's what you have... Uh, in in these players that Chelsea have, um, I I mean, obviously it's a pretty I mean it's it's kind of a funny situation to play West Ham again um, after last week, but I do think that also West Ham scored three goals yesterday uh, versus Everton, so I think their mentality and their self. I mean, their confidence might be a little bit better than it was last week, perhaps. 
I do also think that when Chelsea find, put themselves in these situations versus Brighton and Reading, other teams that usually are mid-table, mid-table teams, they feel like, oh, we can beat them. We can do this. If, if Reading can, do, can we can. If, if Brighton can, then we can. So, I mean, that, that's not good either, in a way. No, and obviously, it being a league game rather than a cup game, maybe that changes West Ham's mentality. Exactly. Uh, headed into this one, Chelsea are wounded. Can West Ham put the in for the kill is what their manager will be asking of them. Um, obviously, they've had a much better season this year under Oli Harder than they sort of managed last year. They got a late equaliser with 10 players on the pitch against Spurs. Uh, they easily beat Everton 3 0, as you said. Chelsea can't come out as they did against Brighton and sort of be slow and predictable because West Ham will take advantage, won't they? Yeah, I think if if something, no team, I mean, any other team, especially around mid, the mid-table, uh, would probably want to, to gain a point by not conceding and not letting Chelsea score. So a 0-0 draw is probably a good result for teams like West Ham and Brighton and, I mean, Reading even won. So I think... I think it's it's all about them not conceding in the first place and then we'll have these low blocks because they know what players like Penilla Harder and and Frank Kirby and and Jesse Fleming is capable of by now. Um, so I think that that's what we're gonna see. It's like you said before, if Frank Kirby had put that one-on-one uh, chance back into the net yesterday, then we will have a different game. So, and we saw it versus West Ham as well when when Penilla scored that first goal and then the game sort of like is going back and forth because of the space left, Chelsea left. Uh, so I think it's like you say, it's all about getting the first goal and then the game is really on. Yeah, that's obviously something we've done against West Ham a number of times, score early. If if you, uh, Emma Hayes, if you're managing Chelsea going into this fixture, what what do you do? Do you do you go in with a four, you go in with a three? Who's playing? Is Bethany England starting? What's your thinking on how we approach it? I think I think it's pretty obvious that Penilla Harder and Frank Kirby can't play. 90 minutes every like three or four days now that that that's gonna i mean it's gonna come back and bite bite someone in the ass <laughs> sooner or later um so i mean maybe just start better in england tomorrow maybe instead of frank kirby so she can just be the because she's more of an impact player coming on from the bench than Bethany England is at the moment. So I would probably like to see that. I think that would be exciting as well. And I really hope for for Beth, if she will get to start, that she will score or make a perfect assist or something like that, because I think she she earns that by now. Um, But I mean, Otherwise, I would probably keep Guru Reiten on the bench, playing Sophie Ingel as a holding midfielder, and then have Erin Cuthbert next to her as a number eight, uh, with Jonna and Neem Charles as wingers. Interesting. So I think we go back to what we've done all season, which is the 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, if we're going to concede, we just make sure we score. Uh, that kind of play, just I think it suits us a bit more to be a bit more attack-focused, given the way that we, we play. I went for Berger in goal, Bright, Carton, Newen in defence. I went with Charles, Cuthbert, Ingle and Brighton, Fleming, Kirby, Harder. 
You think, Yona? Do you think she would rest Fran, not start her, and have Fleming, uh, have Fleming and Harder behind Beth at all? Or do you think she'll do that in the FA Cup game at the weekend? Yeah, I'm not sure. What I what I am sure of is that, I mean, they have to win tomorrow. Tomorrow? No. Wednesday. Yes. No, Wednesday. I'm so... My <laughs> days are like, yeah. It'll yeah, probably be Wednesday. tomorrow when people are listening. So Yeah. Yeah, so I was right. See? No, <laughs> no but I, I think they really need to win Wednesday. That That's what it's all about. And maybe it's just about playing the same lineup like versus West Ham last week. I mean, just to be on the safe side. Yeah. So what I'll do with my 11 is I'll take Guru out, I'll put Yonner in, and then it's a combined Dean Amir 11, and we'll see how we get on. The two games this, so far have been totally different to what Emma Hayes has done, so expect that on Wednesday when the team sheet eventually lands and we see what's going on. Um, score prediction, Mia, if you can. Oh, my God. <laughs> These are getting harder and harder to do because of the fact that they have problems to score. Uh, but I will say 3-1 Chelsea. 3-1. I think I'm going to go with 4-2 again. <laughs> because I think we'll concede goals with the, because we need to fix that attack. I think that'll be the thing that's beyond Emma's mind is making them more fluid and in turn that opens you up a bit at the back. So we concede, but we'll also score enough goals to win, which is, at the end of the day, uh, the main thing. Um, sadly, that is all we've got time for this week. But before we go, the news sort of was released today that, that Carly Telford will be joining the San Diego Wave in the NWSL, joining uh, up with Casey Stoney and leaving the club. Uh, Mia, what do you make of that transfer? Surprised me a little bit that Chelsea, we left with two goalkeepers, given that AKB likes to put herself into a challenge, shall we say? Yeah, I think that was a very big surprise. Not that she, not that Carly Telford would leave, perhaps, but that she was going to the US. But I'm kind of happy she's going to play with the Swede. I mean, San Diego has just signed Sofia Jakobsson from Bayern Munich. So I think they will they will get along perfectly well uh, over there. Uh, I, I do think also that perhaps, I mean, even if the chances might be small, I think, uh, I mean, if she would be the, the first keeper, it sort of would put her in a good position to maybe be in the Euro squad, Carly Telford. So, yeah, I mean, it's understandable. I think not not a very hard choice for her, I think, at the end of the day. No, I think the opportunity to go and live in San Diego is probably quite appealing, uh, working under a manager. Yeah, that too. That too. Um, and not, not being third choice, and although I thought she was going to have to play on the pitch, given the way we're going with, with injuries and players not being available. But the very best of luck to her. She's been a, a great servant for Chelsea over her time, actually. So we're, we're pleased for her that she's got a good move. And also worried if AKB goes headfirst into a challenge, that it will just be Sakira as the goalkeeper. And that's it. But we'll see what happens in the final week. Now um, we're going to say that again. Say her name. Sechira. Sechira. Great. Apologies. I know my, <laughs> I'm known for my Swinglish. Uh, Cheer up. There you go. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Mokings Meadow, me at Dean Mears, and Mia is at Mia underscore Erickson. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Uh, and if you really want to help support the show, then why not sign up to our Patreon page where a small monthly donation helps with the cost involved, the running the show, and lets us bring you other goodies as well. Uh, we will be back later in the week to review the West Ham game and look ahead to the FA Cup clash with Aston Villa. Uh, Mia, 
lovely to see you again. Congratulations on their pitch. Uh, it was really brilliant. If you haven't listened yet, as we said earlier, episode one with Vilda Barisa and episode two with Hannah Glass are both available now when you're listening. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to that. Uh, thank you for, for joining me. Otherwise, I'll be all by myself tonight. Yeah, I wouldn't want to let you be all alone talking, talking Chelsea, not scoring and not picking up the three points. It would have been quite glum. Uh, yeah, their pitch at your Twitter account is their pitch as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. And on Instagram, it's their dot pitch. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody um, is already following. And if you're not, what more can we do? Um, yeah, that is it. Chelsea drew nil nil. It all seemed pretty glum. Man City did us a little bit of a favour, but Chelsea do need to bounce back. Uh, we've got to have hope, but sometimes in the end, it's the hope that, that kills you. Um, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep the blue flag flying. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.